Hey everyone, welcome back to the City Group Leader Podcast, the podcast designed to help your city group thrive and multiply by strengthening your leadership one episode at a time. My name is Trevor Nashlinis. I'm a City Group's Director at City Light Church in Omaha, Nebraska, and today I'm excited to share with you a special bonus episode. On February 3rd, 2013, City Light Church opened its doors to the public for the very first time. Since then, City Light has grown from one church meeting in a dilapidated old building to a family of church planting churches. In this special bonus episode, I sit down with co-lead pastors Gavin Johnson and Chris Ruska to reflect on 10 years of ministry and the unique role that city groups have played in the City Light story. The conversation was so good that I decided to give you the full audio, so today you're getting 10 bonus minutes in honor of 10 years as a church family. Gavin and Chris, welcome to the City Group Leader Podcast. Yeah, man. Privileged to be here. Thanks for having us. This is awesome. Yeah, this is an exciting moment for me, not only because it is the first interview that I'm doing on the podcast, but also because this Friday, we are celebrating a big moment in City Light's history, That's right. which is the 10-year anniversary from the first time that City Light opened its doors to the public. Yes. So got to be an exciting moment for you guys. I know it's an exciting moment for me. How does it feel knowing that you're 10 years into this thing, and not only we have City Light Church, we've also got the whole City Light family? Yeah, man, it's pretty surreal to look back, and uh, like most big monumental things in life, in some ways it feels like, man, we just got started a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, just a couple of idiots believe in God for, for yes. big things and, and stepping out, and uh, uh, from another perspective, I can't really remember doing anything before this. Yes, it feels like my whole life we've been, uh, you know, really working in the life of the church and, and laboring to multiply disciples in churches. But high level, man, just feels so blessed yeah. to have been yeah. a part of this journey. And uh, to think it's been 10 years uh, makes me feel a little bit old. Yes. And uh, also it's just so joyful to think yeah. back on what all God has done. Yeah. Yeah. Profound privilege, right? Yeah. I mean, we prayed, prayed, prayed. Uh, what started with a couple of people and friendship and a vision to see Jesus move and a, a lot of praying God do it immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Now you look at it and you're like, the Lord has actually raised up real people. He's actually sought and saved real people. He's actually transformed marriages. He's actually called people to the nation. So a lot of the prayers are being answered in our midst. And so it's pretty fun to look back and see, see what God has done. Yeah, it is an awesome privilege to be a part of what the Lord is doing here. And so much fun. You know, the prayer that you guys say that you prayed all the time was that the Lord would do abundantly more than yep. you could ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. And he certainly has. Yep. So take me back to that first day when you guys opened the doors of City Light for the very first time. Where did you think you would be at this point 10 years out? Mm. <laughs> where did I? Well, uh, I think our original actually prospectus that we can actually tell you where we thought we would be because on our original prospectus at City Light, uh, Gavin really put this thing together. He's like, you know, well, if the Lord answered our prayer, if God did a great work, where would we be five years in? Where would we be 10 years in? I think our scorecard was like we had planted a church, finally be financially sustainable and, you know, maybe have 500 people in multiple city groups all over the city. Well, that happened like, you know, year one. So we, once that happened, we had no idea. Um, there was two ways this could go, Trevor. We, we oftentimes tell a story of core team, uh, our gatherings were shrinking because we were not doing the consumeristic come big show thing. The attendance was getting smaller for four consecutive weeks. So at one point we really did think we were gonna sell used cars for a living. Uh, that was a real option for us. The Lord has chosen to do something different, but I think we would have never imagined uh, in a couple different ways that this would be the church uh, that God would birth uh, through uh, our prayers and leadership. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I didn't expect this story, but um, it's, been, it's been a beautiful journey. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think in some ways we, um, 
our eyes were, were set on the mission more yeah. than the destination. And so, uh, you know, maybe it's a bad analogy, but we heard from the Lord, like, get on I-80 and head west. Mm-hmm. And we did that. And we didn't know if we were going to Colorado or California, yeah. but, but we knew um, he had called us to mobilize people yeah. to multiply disciples and churches. And so we really didn't have, you know, the, the, the leadership adages begin with the end in mind. Yeah. We really didn't. No. <laughs> no. We began with the mission in mind. We knew mm-hmm. we need to get on the interstate and head west. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know where that was going to take us. And so yeah. we didn't have a ton of numeric goals. We wanted <laughs> no. to be this kind of church, this size, this place. It was really about, man, we want to help people meet Jesus, yeah. walk with Jesus, and live on mission uh, everywhere they live. And yeah. we think part of that is going to be multiplication and church planting. And uh, let's go. Yeah. That's I love it. that. I love how you guys are just so focused on the mission that you kind of let the results take care of themselves. Mm-hmm, yeah. You cared about planting churches. You cared about making disciples. And as you did that, the mm-hmm. Lord was just faithful to bless your faithfulness mm-hmm. to that mission. And it's a ton of fun to be a part of that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're at like 15 churches at the end of this year in yeah. four or five different states. Yeah. Any given Sunday morning across those 15 churches, we're talking about 5,000 people gathering. Mm. We've had about 1,000 baptisms or more across those 15 churches. Uh, just an awesome privilege to see what the Lord is doing, mm. answering prayers. And yeah, it really got to be a ton of fun to be where we're at right now, just watching that unfold. Yeah, so, amen. Very amen. exciting. It is. I think it's a testament to just... Uh, People really want to leverage their lives for the yeah. glory of God. Yeah. And so we'd like to say, man, we fabricated all that and we recruited the right leaders. But, man, people intrinsically, if they're filled with the Spirit of God yeah. and, and dialed into His mission, they, they want to be used by the yeah. Lord. They want to be sent out. And so, so yeah. many of those stories are just beautiful God stories yeah. that uh, labors came into a context that valued multiplication and empowering people, and they just flourished and sent yep. themselves in yep. many ways. Yep. So it's a it's a joy to see what Jesus has done. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I think we both we learned is that like you can you can get a lot of people in a big room on a Sunday morning. You'll always shrink back down to the size of healthy disciples that you're growing within yeah. the context of city groups. And so, um, you know, preaching, music, a little bit of hype on social media can get people in the door. But what will keep them there is they're actually growing in Christ-likeness, being invited into a spiritual family to be known and know others, um, starting to practice their gifts, um, being encouraged, praying with one another. So I think the unsung heroes aren't the ones on this podcast. They're the ones that are going to open up their home tonight and make a meal and teach the Bible to 12 weary saints. And that's happening. The thing that gives me great joy is that in all 15 of our churches, now that we've kind of helped plant or they've planted is that simple model of discipleship is happening, right? So I know we're not just putting a flag in the ground and building some brand in Iowa. It's There's a real local church with real elders and real discipleship rhythms that include local city groups living on missions and neighborhoods and uh, networks of people. So that's just, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome to know. Yeah, that is awesome. And I want to dive into more about the city group model and how that's been a part of the mission and vision of City Light. But before we do, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the story of City Light from those early days. I think some of our listeners have probably heard pieces of that story, but would love to hear some of those pieces put together. I think there's an infamous uh, lunch over at Jimmy John's on Dodge Street. (laughs) Bring us into some of the backstory of how City Light came to be. Yeah, you bet. Well, it really started in friendship. Chris yeah. and I met each other, and we uh, had both come to Christ at a similar time, me late high school, him early college, yeah. and uh, we really didn't know anything different than making disciples on yes. campus. We sort of majored in ministry yeah. and minored in accounting and human resources, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. And uh, then the Lord called us both into full-time ministry, me at a, a really good local church here in Omaha, Chris yeah. through Campus Crusade for Christ. 
And uh, we just began to encourage each other in ministry and, uh, and uh, just learn from each other. And we noticed something after three, four years. Um, you know, college ministry is really, uh, uh, you, you die if you're not reaching the freshman class, yep. right? Um, it. it is a pass-through ministry. You have a four-year window in these That's students' right. lives uh, for evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, employing them in ministry, because then they're gone and out of the ministry. And so it was a really uh, fun, addictive, yep. mission-focused season of ministry. But as students left our ministry, they sort of felt a void as they got their first full-time job, married a spouse, settled down, plugged into a local church, and there was something missing. It was a sense of urgency, a sense of discipleship, a sense of mission, a sense of uh, Jesus, uh, you know, has a has a vision for your life, and yep. you need to get on it now. Yep. And uh, so there was sort of a stagnation as people landed in, in local churches, and it was troubling because they're landing in wonderful local churches. They're <laughs> yes. landing in the one where I was the you know the college pastor yep. and uh, exceedingly healthy, healthy Bible teaching yep. church, and yet there was something lacking. Yep. And so Chris and I would have conversations about this, and and we we sense that there's that there's some magic that that happens in multiplication because mm-hmm. it creates leadership vacuums and a sense of urgency yep. around mission. And if you have a healthy, established church, it's just hard to, to fabricate that. Yep. Um, probably if the, if the pews are full and the coffers are full and the Sunday school classrooms are full and the eldership you know, uh, uh, bench is full, there's really no need but to show up, maybe drop a tithe check yep. and go have mm-hmm. this conversation about Jesus in a circle. Yep. And uh, we just started to dream, man, is there maybe something more for the local church? Yep. Uh, what if it looked more like a college ministry? Yep. What if we sort of imposed a sense of urgency uh, and what would that look like? So we started yeah. to dream about a church that yeah. plants churches. Yeah. What if just like every year we lament losing our best senior leaders, <laughs> yes. we actually sent out all of our best yeah. adult disciples in our church to yeah. create a vacuum and a sense of urgency. So yeah. it was these early ideas that came together and, and uh, it, yeah, the infamous Jimmy John sandwich was, uh, it felt more like a dare than a real invitation, you know? <laughs> We had no plan. We had no next steps. (laughs) Uh, But the conversation got more serious than either of us intended. It was like, what if we just planted a church like that? And Chris is like, I'll do it if you do it. I'm like, oh. That's awesome. I'll I'll probably do it if you do it. Yes. Neither of us were were really sure what we had just committed to, but it seemed to be a Holy Spirit-inspired moment, Uh, and off we went. That's exactly how it went. Uh, I just remember we were processing. He had just preached a a sermon, a great sermon. We go to debrief and hang, hang out and... And he just said, you know, Chris, he asked this question. Do you think like the city of Omaha, soon to be a million people, it's got some great churches, but do you think it needs more churches that would actually live on mission, lift up the name and fame of Jesus Christ, be gospel-centered, want to see God do a work in Christians and non-Christians' lives, and and really mobilize people not just to come and see and sit and enjoy, but to, to go and tell and show the gospel? What if people, you know, were invited into more than just sitting and enjoying a show, but actually like mobilized in teams to live on mission? And what if that was more important than what happened on Sunday morning? I just remember, I was like, dude, that's the kind of church that like gets me excited. I like, I'm reading about it. We were reading, I think Tim Keller, yeah. you know, Center Church. We're really realizing the need for cities and an impact there as Christians and having a faithful witness there. And so anyways, God was doing a great work to kind of stir up some stuff in us. And, um, and it was just, it was a really, really fun when we saw it all come together. And, um, so yeah, man, we, we said, we put our yes on the table and I wish that we, as Gavin, he's being very honest. We had some convictions about the kind of church we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. We were looking at the book of Acts, looking at how Jesus made disciples when, uh, he was doing that in community and saying, why can't we do that playbook? 
and we just want the freedom to run at it and see if it works. And uh, so we, we thought of nothing new. It's all right there in the New Testament, and we just wanted to kind of be that kind of a church. That's so awesome. The thing I love about that is the simple faith yeah. and the clear focus. We're just yeah. making disciples, multiplying groups and churches, yeah. and trusting that the Lord is going to meet us in that process. And He has. Yes. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's amazing what happens when you just do what God set forth in His Word. Yeah. So yeah. super yeah. cool. Uh, we had the privilege this last week at our staff meeting to celebrate mm. 10 years of City Light by re-watching the original Vision video, which I'll probably put a link to in the show notes just for Gavin's personal pleasure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See my baby face from 10 years ago. Uh, yes. But one of the things that stands out in that video that I think everybody in the yes. room felt and still feels yes. to this day is the one line where you say, imagine a people with a purpose rather than a place with programs. Could you tell us what you meant by that and how you envisioned city groups playing a role in that? A lot of it, you know, so I, you know, again, I'm, I'm at the time doing student ministry at a large, very healthy evangelical church here, Christ Community Church. And uh, in, in many ways, they're doing everything right. Faithful Bible teaching, healthy elders, healthy culture. And yet I still felt like there was something missing. And I would mostly feel it when I got to be in the pulpit and look out at the faces of some of the most amazing people I've ever met. Hmm. And I'm seeing people that are um, teachers in the public school system, you know, homeschool moms, uh, lawyers, people in the post office. And I just look out at an army yeah. and I think about yeah. their stories. I yeah. think uh, each one of these uh, saints is filled with spiritual yeah. gifts. Each one of them leaves this building during the week and goes some places that the pastors will never go or even have access to. Yep. And so in many ways, the Sunday morning was fantastic, and yet there was something in me that was saying, I, th I think the church could do more, and it's not that we need better music and better lights, and there's nothing wrong with good music and good lights. Right. It's just uh, we've perfected that. Yeah. Um, we really need to think more about Ephesians 4, about equipping the saints. Yeah. And uh, at the time, again, this was 10 years ago plus now, yeah. uh, there was really a movement away from a Sunday-centric church into sort of the missional church model, and that yeah. had a, a few different iterations of what that looked like, and a lot of them really jettisoned the Sunday morning gathering. Yeah. I said, man, that's, uh, that, that needed to die with Christendom you know, a few decades ago, yeah. and uh, we just need to do church and pubs and homes and city groups and forget about the Sunday show. And uh, yeah, there was a conviction in me that came from scripture that seemed like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know if Sunday mornings no. are bad. I think they're really good and we should keep them. Yep. And I think we should also have an equal and simultaneous emphasis yeah. on equipping the saints to live on mission mm -hmm. uh, during the week. And yeah. what if the church wasn't just defined, again, by a place with programs, yeah. but we help people see themselves yeah. as the church, uh, called and sent by Jesus yeah. to live on the mission field. Yeah. And so that was really the, the heart behind it. Not to jettison Sundays. We ought to lift up the, the preaching of God's word and the, and the gathering and, and singing of the saints, uh, but also have an equal emphasis on God's vision for their life during the week to, to be a disciple and to make disciples in community. Yeah. yeah, that's so awesome. That reminds me of a quote that I heard from Erwin McManus, where he says, uh, the church does not exist for us. Yes. We are the church, and we exist for the world. Mm. And that's exactly what you portrayed in that wow. vision video and in that particular statement. So help us understand the role that City Groups played in living out that vision. Oh, I mean, it's hard to minimize. So one of the things is, from the very beginning, we thought disciples get made in the context of community. So when you think about your Sunday morning, we saw Sunday morning as a collection of really communities that were living on mission to make and mature disciples of Jesus. So it wasn't just a big crowd. It was within that larger corporate gathering, you've got these almost 
extended spiritual families that are coming together on Sunday morning. And as he's saying, you know, S- Sunday morning is almost like the time where the generals get to come together with the, the soldiers and say, hey, let's, let's put a little deposit in you. Let, let's feed the sheep and let's in, uh, equip you and encourage you to continue to run the race that you're on and uh, to faithfully present. So the very beginning, one of the things that we measured was how many people are coming to our church on a Sunday morning that are also in a city group. And at one point, we had more people, I think, in the life of our church connected to a city group than were on a Sunday morning. That was core team. Wow. And everybody, one of the questions was not how did you get invited or when did you start coming, but whose city group are you in? If you stayed after church, you could talk to somebody and say, which city group are you in? And almost every single person had an answer. And uh, so that was just a really fun season. We launched these missional communities. They were really new to a lot of people, Trevor. People had come from churches that did small groups, did support groups, did care groups. But it's a little bit of a different thing when you're calling people um, on it, to engage in the mission of God together. And so uh, that was really, really fun to start to figure it out. I think Gavin led one in central Omaha, around 72nd and Dodge. I led one out in West Omaha. We had one that was for entrepreneurs. Uh, so it was just really, really fun to see just everybody say, hey, I'll, I'll try to lead these things. And nobody knew what they were doing, but they were absolutely crucial to helping these new believers experience a spiritual family and then getting on mission uh, in neighborhoods and networks and starting to, to see people who are getting connected to the life of the church because we're sending out teams of missionaries to engage neighborhoods and networks. That, that was super energizing. How'd you hear about our church? Well, actually, it wasn't anything on Facebook or social media. It was my neighbor who had me over for a barbecue and then now I'm here. So those stories start to permeate the church and create really healthy missional DNA. Yeah. What I hear you saying there is the city groups didn't exist for the Sunday gathering. Right. The Sunday gathering actually existed for the city groups. Yes. The Sunday gathering was a place where you equip people for discipleship and mission that then took place throughout the week in their homes, around the dinner table, opening God's word together, which I think is kind of like the reverse of how we tend to think about small groups, right? Yeah. We're saying the small groups is where the action is. Sunday morning is not where the primary action is taking place. It's in your city group where the real work of discipleship is taking place. And you guys as pastors are simply laying the groundwork for that discipleship to happen. Yep. I think it's really beautiful. It was awesome. You did say something about how at the time there weren't a whole lot of people who were accustomed to that way of thinking about a small group. So let's go down that rabbit trail a little bit and just how would you guys differentiate between maybe a traditional small group and what we're going for with city groups? Yeah, well, one of the one of the key distinctives is, uh, you know, a healthy city group is really a missional community. In other words, they their identity um, at, it is, is primarily, you know, sent ones of God to live on mission to yep. make disciples. So we found that the best prototype uh, wasn't a, a church small group or yep. fellowship group. It was actually like a short-term mission trip. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, the light bulb we saw go on in people's minds and hearts when, when we would say, have you ever been on a, on a short-term mission trip? Oh, yeah, we went to Mexico and we built some houses. What would you guys do in preparation for that? Well, we got together and we encouraged each other in our walk with God. We read scripture. We prayed together for that mission. And what did you do on that mission? We went yeah. and uh, we witnessed. We shared the gospel and we helped build a house and, and we did X, Y, and Z. And, and we'd come back tonight or, you know, at night and share a meal together. Mm. And we'd share those stories. And we would consider, you know, who's close to receiving mm. the gospel or, man, let's pray for the needs of this person as we build their house. And, uh, and uh, so it was really a, a, a culture shift and a, and a mind shift for people yeah. to go, yeah, yeah, that, that's actually what we're trying to do in Omaha. Yeah. Wonderful to sit in a circle, put a DVD in, get some new insights on the book of Matthew. 
we're in favor of that. Yeah. You should have Christian friends, and you need a place to repent of sin, to grow, yep. uh, to walk in community. But but we think the nucleus that we see in the New Testament actually starts with mission. Yep. When Jesus called the first disciple, he said, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." Yep. They weren't even converted yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. he called them on mission. And guess what? Along that journey, they found friends. Yeah. They found yeah. community. He challenged their idols. Uh, they grew in, in devotion and yeah. discipline, but all the way on the journey to uh, to join Jesus in his yeah. mission. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like community is growing out of mission rather yeah. than mission growing out of community, which yeah, is the exact opposite of the way we usually think about yeah. it. Like, yeah. oh, if I can get my close-knit group of friends or Christians, yeah. then we can start living on mission. That's it. And what you guys are saying is the New Testament model is, no, live on mission, and God's going to give you a family to do yes. that mission with. That's yes. it. It's like the you know the classic evangelical mission model is like, Win, build, send. Yep. Send. Mission is always the final piece. Yep. Uh, but building doesn't really happen well yep. in, in the New Testament unless there's ascending. Yep. And so it's really flipping the script on its head and say, hey, we're going to be sent together. Yep. And there might be some people in your missional community that aren't even Christians yet. Yep. Guess what? That's a great place for them to experience the gospel in Christian yes. community yes. is joining yeah. Christians on mission. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely one of my favorite thing about city groups is the idea that there can be a community of yes. people opening God's word together with non-Christians in the room who are experiencing the family of God and the gospel embodied before they even believe, right? I think the language we've used before is where they can belong before they believe. It's a really beautiful thing, and it makes for a really compelling community. I I think about my current city group context, and uh, currently it's been been growing quite a bit Mm -hmm. organically. And uh, it's growing from either the new Christians or the non-Christians, mm-hmm. mostly, that are coming, that are finding community, finding life, and they're the ones inviting more friends <laughs> yeah. into our group than our seasoned Christians uh, yeah. that are coming every week. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think some of them are Christians now. Yes. I'm not really sure. But they're already on mission inviting yes. people because they know that there's life there, mm-hmm. and they uh, they have a community to invite their friends and colleagues into. So yeah. It's pretty cool. That awesome. is pretty cool. Very cool. Let's uh, talk about some of those stories that are coming out of city groups mm. that you guys have experienced in city groups. You know, Gavin, you just mentioned how your city group is kind of growing organically and you're seeing God do some really fun stuff. Yeah. Over the last 10 years, what are some of your favorite city group stories to tell? Oh, my goodness. Where I can we... go. Yeah, well, I mean, you can go. Sure, I can go. You get it going. Okay, well, when you think about personal transformation, those are fun. And uh, there's a couple I'll never forget. At the end of city group, everybody's leaving our house. It's kind of a young family, young couples group that we were hosting. And um, a young lady's in tears. Her husband's not there. And she just confesses, my husband's using a, a, a addictive drugs. He's on the run. He's relapsing. Things aren't good. And I'm on the brink. I'm ready for a divorce. So we're praying for her, saying, don't do it. We'll reach out to him. We'll see what God does. God writes an unbelievable story. This guy meets Jesus, gets baptized, saves their marriage. They're still married to this day. They have two kids together. They're in a church. It's, those are the stories that happen. But I think about who was in that vulnerable place of that woman's life. If someone else would have been there with a different worldview and a different spirit, they would have encouraged her to leave him. Right. You know, hey, leave him. He's not worth it. Get out. There's no hope. Spare yourself the trouble. Cut your losses. Instead, there was a spirit-filled Christian on the couch right next to her, mm-hmm. intervening, praying, grabbing her hand, saying, we believe in a God who does miracles, who changes lives. And so on a small level, that's one of my favorite stories is just saying, I think community really works, you know? Yeah. Um, and then on big stories, um, we had a chance to launch a city group in the context of our neighborhood uh, in Bennington. And it literally out of that group, I was, I'll be completely honest, we were straight lonely. We had one other Christian friend in a new neighborhood and we were trying to hang out and reach these neighbors. And I was kind of frustrated, like, gosh, there's just 
almost no Christians in this group. There's no one who gets like every time I ask for advice, it's the worst biblical view I've uh. ever heard. Like I try to confess a sin and they try to tell me it's not really a sin. I mean, it was, I mean, it was the worst, but it was the best. Does it make any sense? And so uh, out of that became lives were changed and that ended up becoming a, a core team for City Light Bennington. And so that's pretty fun when you can see discipleship happen, a missional community happen, and then a church plant happen out of that. So those are some fun stories that we've, we've watched. Yeah, in that same vein, I think our, our very first church plant was City Light Benson. Yes. And it was the same thing. It was, uh, you know, the, the first one's always the scariest one where you think, I, am, mm-hmm. I think we're pregnant. I think it's time to launch out and to send some leaders and to do a new work in a new part of the city. And as we prayed about where, it became so obvious because we yes. had three young adult groups that all lived in Benson, Come on. healthy leadership, making disciples, living on mission. And uh, it dawned on us, there is a church in Benson now. It just lacks a Sunday morning gathering. That's and right. Candidly, that's the easy part. Yeah. You know, a few sermons, some songs, and a, and a place to, to gather in rows. And so, so cool to see city groups, missional communities actually becoming the nucleus for for a church plant. Same thing happened in Lincoln, yes. so a city group, and uh, that is now Dang. an amazing multiplying church. It's wow. planted, uh, I don't know, two, three, four churches. Yes. College ministry of 600 students, absolutely incredible. Uh, in addition to, to that, I, I think care has been also a story yes. in city groups. I think yep. about a few years ago, we lost a gentleman in our church. I think their family of 10, big family, tragic early death, and... It was amazing to see the community yes. of God surround that family. Yes. Many people in their city group. Um, I'll bet they didn't buy groceries for a year. Yeah. You know, it was the saints in community with them on mission that said, hey, yeah. this is not a season primarily to focus on evangelism. This family needs our help. Come on. And yeah. to see them rally around and pay mortgage bills and, and uh, help the family get back on their feet. I mean, it brings tears to your eyes just to yes. see God's people step in when there's a gap and a void in Preach. a family. Um, I think about even in my own yeah. life, like some of my most meaningful friendships right now mm. are guys in my city group. Yeah. We get together every single Thursday mm. and process God's word, process yes. our lives. It's real. It's vulnerable. Um, and I think, man, even as a, as a ministry leader and as a pastor, what a sacred space yeah. that is for me um, to just know I, I don't need to navigate parenting and leadership and owning a home and yeah. living on mission uh, alone. Man, there are guys that are in the same space asking the same questions. We get to pray for one another, encourage one another, challenge one another. Uh, it's really sharpened me just as a, a disciple of Jesus. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty meaningful in my yeah. life. Mm, yeah. One of the beautiful things about that kind of community is the thing that holds you together is the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm, which it. makes what you experience in a community sometimes deeper than your own real family, yeah. your own spiritual yeah. family sometimes. Yeah is more meaningful than, um, you know, your family of origin sometimes. And it's just something that only the gospel can give. It's true. But uh, it's interesting, too, because I wasn't a part of City Light back in the day. I've only been around for about a year. I kind of met you guys way back in 2013 when you were young and scrappy and (laughs) just running on faith. Before wrinkles and fatigue. (laughs) Great hair. Um, but my, I actually became a Christian through what was a city group. I was yeah. playing football at Miller North High School, kind of lost. I was a church attender, but did not have a relationship with Jesus and got invited to this family's house who had dinner and Bible study for the entire Miller North football team. Come on. They would provide the food and then we would open the Bible together. It was all free. 
as long as we would listen to them teach God's word. And wow. as a high school student, mm. that sounded like a pretty good trade-off to yes, me. So yes. I was in. And it was like the biggest city group you could ever imagine, but with the best food possible. Mm. And then just this family who is willing to open up their lives and their home for students to know Jesus. And there's something so beautiful and so compelling about the community that it was actually the community yeah. that first awakened me to my need for Jesus yeah. and the possibility of faith in him. But then I also just love the stories that you guys have told time and time again about city groups becoming the core team for church yes. plants. It is amazing to think for me to think about the fact that what if the nucleus, not even the core team, the nucleus of City Light Sarpy County is sitting in somebody's mm -hmm. living room tonight? Oh, yeah. yeah. What if... Uh, the nucleus for City Light Northwest yeah. is sitting in somebody's living room tonight or yeah. City Light Southwest or yeah. who knows beyond that somewhere yeah. else in Nebraska or Colorado or Kansas yeah. is just awesome to think about the fact that something could be happening in somebody's living room tonight yeah. that could move the mission forward in a pretty significant way. Yes. It's a lot of yeah. fun. Absolutely. Fun. So yeah, as we kind of wrap our time up together, what are just one or two lessons that you would like to share with current city group leaders that might help them in their leadership, might encourage them along? Yeah, uh, well, first off, I would just tell them, thank you. Yeah. Uh, city group leadership is is fun, it's exhilarating, it's also hard, yeah. it can be challenging, yeah. and uh, it's difficult at times. So I just always wanna just start with affirmation. So if you're listening, you're a current yeah. group leader, man, thank you. Um, there are awesome moments, there are difficult moments. Um, two just words of encouragement that I would bring is that, you know, number one, Jesus is working through you, yep. even if you don't see it. Yep. As I think about my experience leading groups, um, it's seldom that I get real-time affirmation and appreciation yes. uh, from someone in my group, even in a challenging season. Those calls just don't happen. Those conversations just don't happen. And, uh, you know, in the grind of, of getting your house ready and leading a group, yep. sometimes you're asking yourself, am I really making a difference or are we yes. just busy? Because yep. there are other things I could be doing with my evenings. But I'll tell you what, those phone calls almost always happen like a year later, three years later, right. when you bump into someone at Costco. And, and then they'll tell you, man, that changed my life. Yep. That season of walking in community, you said this and I'll never forget it. Yep. And I think, oh, I don't even remember it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yes. uh, you know, like Chris's yep. story, that yep. marriage um, that, that gets reconciled in that way. Yeah. Um, you, you just don't always see it real yeah. time. And so I just want to bring a word of encouragement. Jesus is using you. Mm. You're not going to hear these stories until yeah. a little bit further down the road. So stay the course, sisters and yes. brothers. Come on. Uh, and then the second one is uh, Jesus's primary work, uh, you know, around you as a leader is actually in you yep. oftentimes mm -hmm. more yep. than through you yep. and so don't don't overlook what he's doing in your heart oh, he's yeah. building faith he's building discipline yep. um he is uh you know chipping away your hard spots and and squashing idols in your heart and uh, he does that because he loves you mm -hmm. he wants to grow your faith he wants to grow your dependence yep. he wants to grow uh, your character as a follower of jesus so Good work. Jesus is working through you yes. and in you. And thank you. Stay the course. Yes. Amen. And along with that, your growth is your group's growth. Right. That's right. As right. you grow, as you're transformed, like the Lord's only going to use that to transform yes. and grow your group as well. That's yeah. it. Chris, what about you? What would you say? Yeah, I'd say two questions. One, I would just equip you to ask. I think it's overwhelming sometimes to be a group leader. You're always trying to figure out what do we do next? <laughs> what, what material do we do? When do we need to meet? What rhythm needs to change? Um, how do I create some sense of mission? Maybe we've got off mission. I think just asking this question, how do I continue to love and serve these people? Like, God, give me a posture of loving these saints. And God, what would love, what would loving people do today? What would that sound like? What would that look like? 
Um, you know, faith, hope, and love. Love is the most important. Like we just need to consistently encourage, equip, love. And I think that covers a lot of bases because as much as we talked about evangelism, we want to reach the lost. Oftentimes there's undiscipled people within the group. There's really needy, weary saints inside of the group. And so um, for me, one of the things that helped is I'm just not trying to use these folks as an army. I'm also trying to care for these people as a really almost like a shepherd. Does it make sense? And so kind of keeping both those hats. Uh, number two, I'd ask, who can I invite to help lead this with me? I, I've come to find out most people settle for leading alone. It's really hard to keep a leadership core um, because the people that you did ask, they kind of flake out. And so you find yourself doing it all by yourself. So you're the one hosting, making the meal, leading the Bible study, trying to text people that didn't show up. It gets really hard. So don't settle for leading alone. I would invite people. That's been one of my big misses. I end up settling for kind of just doing it alone, and it gets really hard and really lonely. So invite people to uh, consistently uh, use their gifts in community with you. Let them know you need them. You need them. You can't do this thing alone long term. So Yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes I think we're, we feel like we're doing people a, disfavor, a disservice yep. if we invite them into leadership, mm-hmm. be like we're going to burden them. Yep. But in yep. a lot of ways, actually inviting them into leadership yep. is the biggest blessing we can give them. It's what yep. jumpstarts their faith. It's what helps them grow beyond what they could if they were just participating. Yep. And it does so much more for people than we often realize. And a lot of times people don't receive it as a burden. They actually receive it as an exciting um, thing. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I've been waiting for you to yes, give me an opportunity. Yes. So. Come on. It's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you guys so very much for taking time out of your day to be a part of this podcast. I'm yeah, excited for people to listen to it. Awesome. Thanks, Trevor, for having us today. Well, that does it for today. Thank you, as always, for joining me for the City Group Leader podcast. I hope that this podcast adds value to you as a leader. And if it does, would you please subscribe, rate, and share it so we can strengthen and support more leaders. As you go, remember... Your group is not simply a collection of people meeting to study the Bible. Your community on mission sent by God to make disciples among your neighborhoods and networks. And what you do is essential to our mission as a church family. God has chosen you to lead your group and because Christ is in you, you have everything you need to lead it well.